1: Take
0: you out to the well, I hope you'll come and see
2: me in the movie. Hollywood song Hello and welcome to the Beatles Films Podcast. I'm Matt Looker. I'm Ed Williamson. We're both professional film writers and Fab 4 fans and each week we discuss a different movie about starring or inspired by the Beatles. This week, that film is Wingspan, a 2001 made-for-television documentary about Paul McCartney's post-Beatles life and career. The documentary was broadcast to coincide with the release of a retrospective album called Wingspan Hits and History, a collection of McCartney songs from his work as a solo artist and as the founding member of Wings. However, with a key focus on Paul's relationship with and marriage to Linda, and given that the documentary was produced by Paul's daughter Mary McCartney, who also interviews him throughout, and it was directed by her then-husband, Alistair Donald, it's fair to say what's presented here is a bit of a one-sided account. Uh, But maybe that's fair. Maybe it actually was a very one-sided account. Uh, What do you think, Ed? Uh,
1: Yeah, I agree. I think there's... um... You, you, you and I are both like big Wings fans. Yeah. And, and there was a time when it was very unfashionable to say that. Yes. Um, that Alan Partridge joke did a lot of damage.
2: <laughs> it really did. I, I actually, before we approached this episode, I, I had a sort of a mental tally in my head. I wonder how soon it is in this episode before we mention that Alan Partridge joke, but you beat all expectations by mentioning <laughs> it within the first 30 seconds.
1: Yeah, but I, but I think maybe that's partly because even now, as soon as you mention Wings, someone will say that. For yes. sure, yes, like, definitely, e- yeah, definitely every time, and and it's a really good joke, and also it's not a joke that could have been made if it weren't for the fact that Wings were generally considered a bit naff. Yeah, um, but you you and I are both big Wings fans, and I think certainly uh, the idea that they uh, were culturally culturally relevant or even just good and had good songs was quite controversial for a while. I think this documentary and probably the um, the album release as well, was probably the the first step in redressing that balance, I think.
2: So, quick question for you as well. I feel like I'm I'm very, very new to being a Wings fan, and I do still feel like uh, there was a challenge, there was an obstacle to overcome in becoming a Wings fan. I think there were certain things that you... uh, This is sort of going off topic, because it's not strictly about the documentary, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, I found listening, me trying to explore more of McCartney's solo career, uh, or post-Beatles career rather, um, I would approach Wings albums, um, hoping for good stuff. And actually, more to not, what I found was that the albums were growers. Yeah. And I, And and actually, more to not, the songs that that I love now, the songs that I love most now, actually were a bit of a challenge when I first listened to them because I, I did find them relatively cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that the
1: same for you? Yeah. You think it's, it's, it's it's not unreasonable to say that some some of them are cheesy. Um, I think it's like, as with a lot of McCartney, um, what, what you initially think is quite throwaway is actually quite sophisticated yeah. when you look into it a bit more. I mean, it was only very recently, in the last six months or so, I sort of got into Back to the Egg, yeah. for example. Uh, that is a profoundly weird album. <laughs> and... Um, and I think I don't think it went down all too well at the time um, now I think I'm not saying it's like held up as a, as a long lost classic but it's certainly much more respected than it was definitely yeah and and, and that album is a lot more sophisticated than, than people thought it was so yeah I think as with lots and lots of his stuff I, there's lots and lots of McCartney solo albums that I've listened to for the first time and not got a lot out of mm. and then found after a couple of listens but
2: I guess it, I'm, I guess I wonder if because um, it is definitely fair to say that there's been a reappraisal of Paul McCartney and his career post Beatles career Mm -hmm. in recent years including Wings and you're right maybe it started with around this time with this documentary and, and the work that was happening then but I find it interesting that a reappraisal implies that we as a you know we've we've moved on in terms of an audience in terms of our tastes that we are now able to appreciate the sophistication that you mentioned Mm -hmm. but actually on a first listen i still don't have that it actually it requires um sort of repeated listens to really appreciate that i wonder if it's just the same experience and and actually uh, there was initial turn off of wings to begin with
1: possibly but i think also there was that there was just that perception of him at the time Right. That he was quite corny, and and I mean, let's be honest, he didn't do himself any favours by you know recording. Mary had a little lamb and yeah. folk chorus and things like that, you know, and sort of doing doing the video with Rupert the Bear and stuff like that. You know, he's um, but uh, and I
2: think when that's one. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ten, t- doing videos of Rupert of the Bear tends not to lend itself too well to credibility. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. It's, not, I, it's not punk, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I do think that. Um, uh, again, one of the obstacles with Wings albums is that uh, one of the things that I've I've often found and often said about um, all of McCartney's uh, work that I've listened to is that you tend not to find a very consistent tone on the album, which makes it quite often a, a it can be a jarring listening experience because you'll have those cheesy ballads, you'll have you know nursery rhyme songs, um, yeah. and then you'll have songs that are a bit more edgy. Yeah. Um, So I think either way, it can be a bit of a... a, You know, the the listening experience of any Wings album can still be a challenge, no matter whether it's now or when they were first released. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that this documentary and the way that it's framed does feel like it is a deliberate attempt to readdress the balance. Yes. Um, And I think that that is one of the reasons why it is such so obviously a very family affair. Ooh. Um, I think you know, Paul, Paul McCartney and I think all of these George, particularly. I think, um, always seem to have an issue with other people trying to tell their stories. Um, so I think it makes sense that if Paul wants to set out his store a little bit with um, redressing the balance about what wings were about and 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 how good they really were, that they, he would then. Uh, agreed to a documentary that he'd have a lot of control over, or he'd yeah. lot of control over the perspective of. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But it does mean that when you watch it, I think you're very aware of the fact that this is a very much a, a, a singular point of view that's been approached, to the extent that lots
1: of other people are mentioned
2: who are in Wings, none of them get a say.
1: Yes. <laughs> Which is very, very telling. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so I suppose there's one side of that is that uh, Wings... Throughout their um, uh, throughout their existence, were, were, were the three core members were Paul Linder and Denny Lane. Yes, and then the other positions were filled by uh, people who kind of at least started out as session musicians and probably weren't treated very differently from session musicians, even when they were in the band for a few years. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you, you're right that it's it's very surprising Denny Lane's not in there anywhere yes um and i i understand that they. i I don't know if they fell out but i'm not sure if they're on
2: from what i could find out it, it feels like they fell out right um there was there was some sort of acrimonious business dealings towards the end of their working relationship um as a result of that i understand that denny lane doesn't get some of his actual songwriting credits right um i i believe i could be wrong about that but i think that's the case Um, And I think they had a bit of a um, a sort of a falling out towards the end of their their friendship. I do think it's very strange that this documentary presents a view of largely of Wings. And Denny Lane is not really even mentioned. Mm. So when you dig deeper and you realise that not only was he not a founding member, but he was the only other member that lasted throughout the whole career of Wings. Yeah. But he also contributed to the actual writing of of some of the songs, not 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 um, obviously as large a proportion as McCartney did, but yeah. but he he co-wrote some songs. Um, none of that gets mentioned at all. No. So in, in a in a documentary that that in, you know suggests that it's going to explore the career of a particular band, um, the fact that that gets completely glossed over, I think, is a little bit.
1: Cheeky, yes. Uh, yeah. He's. I mean, he's mentioned obviously, but there isn't any kind of. Uh, it's not like they give him. There's the, the sort of five minutes anywhere, of um. You know, we got we, we got Danny Lane in the band. And I thought, great. You know, I like this guy. Here are his strengths. You know, talk yes. a bit about Denny Lane and you. right I mean, you know, and he co- as you say, he has co-writing credits. Uh, the most obvious being Mull of Kintyre, yeah. which he co-wrote with Paul. And is, you know is a credited songwriter on it, whether he gets paid royalties anymore um, or not, you know he's a credited songwriter on it, and that is by far their biggest hit, and also just one of the biggest hits of all time. It was, when yes. it was released, it was the biggest selling single since "She loves You," I think. yes, yeah. And, and that's an enormous achievement for him. Um, but yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of glossed over. and you, you don't get the impression that's done with any malice or, or thinking, "Let's cut Denny out of this. You just get the impression that that is not what the focus is. The focus is the McCartney family. More than yeah, but but I think that, and I think that's
2: kind of what doesn't sit um, particularly well with me when I watch the film is that it's not you know even taking uh, Denny Lane out of the equation. When they talk about the other band members and their decisions to leave. Those get glossed over as well. Yeah. Like, and, and I think you're you're right to start when you, when you talk about some of the musicians have been hired in as session musicians, and therefore treated as such. But it's that, that's an interesting approach, isn't it? To like, you know, when when Paul at the start of the documentary was talking about, I didn't know how to create a band from scratch because um, I've never done it before, mm. and he does that. I guess one way to do it is not to treat his band members like employees <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, but then when he goes on to say you know these two people phoned us up the day before we we're set to record an album in Africa and say we're we're out relieving the band mm-hmm. and he says something like um uh, oh here we go again fine okay whatever yeah um that's it and I, I'm left wondering no no wh- why like they don't, you haven't. They haven't really. He hasn't really explained what what led to their decision about that. Right. And I mean, as as a, as a you know, if you're going to tell a documentary about a particular subject matter, it feels wor- you know you you should by all rights explore those avenues. Mm. But it's in those instances where I feel like it shows up just how much this isn't really about presenting an objective view of the career of a band. It's actually much more about. Uh, Paul McCartney trying to sell a particular image.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, because there's, I mean, there's objective and there's there's objective. I think you know, it, it, I, I I don't expect this documentary is largely a promotional tool to yes, co- go along it. with an album. So you know, I don't expect it to be. I I do ex- I expect it to be largely celebratory. I don't expect it to be completely objective. But you're right that, that there is a distinction between that and um, a sort of conscious image building. Which this seems to be doing. I think. Um, did you ever see the Stone Roses documentary that Shane Meadows did? May, a um, to made a stone, I think Made a cool. stone, yeah. And um, I enjoyed watching it in the same way that I would enjoy watching a bunch of YouTube clips of the Stone Roses, hmm. uh, just because I think the Stone Roses are good. Um, but um, he, there is a bit in it where they're having an argument, and he deliberately doesn't take the camera in the dressing room because he doesn't want to disturb them. Hmm. Um, and at that point, you think, "Well, are you here to make a documentary or not?" Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Like okay. I know you're a fan, and he's presenting himself as a fan, but it, 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 you are at this point just letting down the idea of of documentary making. And so, um, but no, but yeah, I mean, Wingspan is uh, different in terms of it being more deliberately a promotional tool. I would say, but but you know what?
2: I guess I agree with that. Um, he says about to <laughs> explain why he does not agree with that in the slightest. Because I actually think, the, you're right, the documentary, the, 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 the reason why the documentary exists is, is as a promotional tool. But actually, the substance of the documentary isn't promoting the songs on that record. It isn't talking about it. Actually, that's the area that I would be more interested in. Mm. I'd be much more interested in the documentary that talks about some of the actual inspiration behind the songs actually doing a little bit of a breakdown on the albums and the approach to certain material yeah, that he yeah. did. There isn't really any of that. What the documentary ends up doing, really, because it's such a huge chunk of time and, we, and it's only an hour and a half long, yeah. it basically just presents like a, a chronological timeline of the band and its various forms and the album releases. Yeah. So if that's what the documentary is going to consist of, I think the, the reasons behind those changes would be quite important to, to, to you know, to give.
1: Setting it in context, um, this is released around three years after Linda dies. Um, yeah. There is an obvious uh, desire in Paul, I think, to get across the the idea of what an amazing woman she was mm. um, he's sort of talking when he talks to Mary who's a, a, uh, who you know they're doing she's interviewing him face to face and uh, and it's quite sweet in a way because they're they're, acti- they're not acting like interviewer and interviewee they're acting like yeah. father and daughter and that's quite nice he, when he when he refers to Linda and he's talking to Mary he refers to her as mum Yeah, in the same way you know when your dad talks to you about your mother he refers to her as mum um, which is which is nice. Um, I'm
2: taking all of myself straight right now. Not to make a your mum joke, but sure, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. sure, that's what my dad says to me about my mum. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Oh, Completely my... deliberately made you lose your train of thought. Yeah, there, yeah, so.
1: yeah. Well, no, but I thought I had a your mum joke as a, a, <laughs> a comeback to that. I had it in my head and it's gone. <laughs> um, no, I think there, there is definitely a desire in Paul to uh, to just get across what a wonderful woman he thought she was. Mm-hmm. Um, You also have the added uh, thing that this is, um, since it came out in 2001, he started dating Heather Mills in 2000. I think it is is pretty definite that he was already dating Heather Mills when they recorded this. They weren't married by this point, but they were certainly dating. I think it's fair to, just from biographies I've read, I think it's fair to say that the fact that he wasn't really over Linda was uh, a bone of contention in their marriage in the end. So setting it in context you kind of think well this guy is slightly adrift at the moment in mm-hmm. a way you know he'd been married for the same woman for 30 years and, he, and he's slightly all at sea and like maybe there is some comfort for him in just talking having this opportunity to talk to his daughter about Her her mother and his wife, who's just passed away. Um, That doesn't mean you make a film out of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: but no. But I I appreciate. I mean, I guess that is what you do when you also have a record to sell. Um, Mm -hmm. Not not to completely trivialize everything you just Mm -hmm. said, which which uh, was actually um, quite serious. But I think that um, uh, I I guess a part of me also feels a little bit like I was misled by the title of the film. Uh, and and the album because wingspan I I assumed going in before I watched it that this was going to be about wings but it's really not is it it's it's very much it starts with um, how Paul met Linda how I met your mum <laughs> oh god when, <laughs> this is what this episode's gonna be about isn't it <laughs> um, uh, he he talks about um, how he met Linda uh, obviously how you know when they got married. Um, their relationship at the time of the breakup of the Beatles, um, his subsequent what he refers to as a breakdown or a bit of a breakdown uh, mm-hmm. post Beatles, and then Wings, the formation of Wings is framed as a um, a project that he and Linda decide to embark on together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I, I guess it, I, I guess it maybe it's a misnomer or maybe I just had different expectations, but I I was expecting a bit more of a deeper dive into specifically wings and actually it's not about that, it's about their relationship and their marriage. What I do think happens as a result of that is I have a a much deeper level of respect for Linda. Yeah. Um which I didn't not that I didn't have any respect for her, obviously um but I I just I think what comes through in this film that I hadn't been exposed to before was a real sense of her own unique creative voice. Yes. Um which is brilliant to see. Because there's so much archive footage of her own interviews or or her on stage or in person, and you start to get a real sense of her as a, as an individual artist that isn't just Paul McCartney's wife.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was I will say about the title, it it does literally span the career of Wings. I'm not, I'm not. sure what more you want from it. Well, it spans the degree of wings, but it spans. But it spans more than. I feel like. know, because it spans, it it doesn't. It, it, it's not. What's the word that it would use if it was only wings? But if if I if I span, I don't know why I'm holding up my hands here. Like my, it's always a good thing to do on a podcast, yeah, isn't exactly. it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. If you span something, yes. uh, then it, it, then the thing you are spanning is contained within it. There may be other things um, either side of it. This is not helpful at all. Anyway, um, when you talk about right, <laughs>
2: the wingspan yeah. of a American bald eagle, yeah, sure, you don't measure that wingspan by the surrounding air around those wings, <laughs> right? It starts and ends, yeah, with like <laughs> the literal ends of those wings. Yeah, I
1: mean, you're reading it on a very linear <laughs> level. Um, I think I. Uh, 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 I think I, I'm just interpreting it with a bit more nuance but that's fine oh, mean, sure. that's, <laughs> sure. that's all that's happened here you, you haven't recognised the nuance in the title uh-huh. um, anyway yeah, but uh, yeah I mean uh, Linda, it, it acknowledging Linda as a creative artist is a really great thing um, again a lot like Yoko Ono never got the credit she deserved mm. um, was always unfairly maligned by the press so particularly when Wings started and she was on stage there was a lot of oh he's got, he got his wife on the stage and she was in particular unfairly maligned as a bad singer which is absolutely not the case yeah sure yeah definitely. really nice footage shot at the farmhouse in Scotland yes. I think it is where he's mucking what is he playing like is it Hey Diddle I think from um, I can't remember now but it's really good isn't it and, yeah. and they're harmonizing and they've obviously it's not that she's just started up instinctively they've sung this song before but they're harmonizing they're just sitting with him playing a the guitar they're doing really nice harmonies together and it's like this woman is a good singer there's nothing yeah. around
2: that and also they're they both enjoying that experience. Like yeah. I think that they're. I think it's it's easy to um, buy into an idea that McCartney is the musician mm-hmm. and he's brought his wife along for the ride. Right. And actually, it feels like you no, know, she's getting just as much out of this experience as he is because they're both enjoying doing that together and jamming and yeah. and, and singing together. Yeah,
1: yeah. And she's a co-writer on a lot of these songs. She's a co-writer on. I think all the songs on Ram.
2: So this is, and this is uh, an area. And, and actually, before I get into this, I will just say, on the Wings fan point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Go on.
2: I think um, part of my my uh, part of a, a challenge I've always found with um, post Beatles McCartney career is that I've actually always a little bit struggled with what technically counts as his solo career and what counts as Wings. And I think that part of that is because he's hes would start crediting some of his songwriting credits became Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney yeah. um some of like live and let die is I think credited to Paul McCartney and wings
1: uh, yes I that, think I could be wrong that yeah that that sort of went back and forth so uh God how to go so uh McCartney and Ram yes uh, McCartney credited to Paul, Paul McCartney Ram credited to Paul and Linda McCartney yes wings albums uh Uh, they oh god so Wildlife credited to Wings yep after that they were credited to Paul McCartney and Wings up to an including band on the run uh, because they felt that they weren't really they hadn't really broken through with Wildlife they felt they need to put his name in the title
2: oh interesting okay didn't realise that
1: and then after that they went back to being called Wings uh, until the end and then uh, from that point on from McCartney 2 onwards it's all it's all solo Paul baby (laughs) is what he'd say I'm quite pleased I really hope that all turns out to be true because I'm quite pleased with that yeah (laughs) it actually is (laughs) so
2: but again like um, Red Rose Speedway is a good example of an album that I've owned for a very long time yeah I've always kind of if I think about how I categorise my vinyl sure as as, as a man of my age does (laughs) (laughs) um, I I unfairly had that in the Paul McCartney I I had it under M instead of W right uh, be, but, but, but I know right but I, I'm a fool I'm a fool god damn it but, but because I, I think also because he's always been very front and centre of the band and I think that the the and obviously clearly you know we talked about the formation of the band it's him um, hiring musicians to be his band members mm. and arguably treating some of them as uh, not uh, as not equals as Im- you know employees or session musicians, session musicians he has hired and yeah. um, so that all automatically creates a gray area around whether or not they're just musicians carrying out his solo vision or, or or what it really means to be in a in a sort of collaborative band yeah um and I think that's one of the reasons why I struggle with with what songs or what um and also like you know where where he'd have um his greatest his own greatest hits albums and stuff would include the wing songs on there, but it's like the best of Paul McCartney mm-hmm. would have you know uh silly love songs on there. Yeah. For example. I just I've always kind of struggled a little bit with that. So I think that's I, I think that's why the the documentaries right to cover everything. But I think in my mind I have a little bit of an internal block around um the using the phrase wingspan or using wings. <laughs> I forgot that that's where <laughs> but using wings as like as a um uh, identifier for a period of time because actually I feel like it's, it's blurred a little bit around what, what is solo and what's uh, part of the band.
0: Yep, fair enough. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary
2: going back to Linda party mm-hmm. i um uh i i think i read this somewhere or i heard this somewhere that. One of the reasons why she was credited as a co-writer on RAM is p- because Paul McCartney had his uh, own royalties sewn up in the Beatles contract still at that time. Yeah. And by having a co-writer on there who wasn't tied into the same contract, they could at least uh, redeem, what, 50% of the profits. Um, I, I guess I kind of bought into that idea. I don't know how true it is. I've no idea if anyone actually um, uh, knows if that's the, the case or not but I do think that as a result of reading that I bought into this idea that Linda wasn't in any way herself um, actually inputting into the music yeah. Yeah. and I think watching this documentary has made me rethink that because I, I can see how she would have quite easily um, been a co-writer on a lot of songs
1: yeah absolutely I think also that you know it's, I mean it's said in this documentary it was, it was also that he said it a lot of times before that, uh, he, he very specifically credits her with writing the middle eight on Little Let Die. Yes, what does it matter to you? That bit. And, um, the uh, I mean, to be honest, if you had written just that, yeah. then you're a pretty successful songwriter. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that's that is, it, yeah. That is an iconic song and an iconic bit of an iconic song. Yeah, uh, great, you know. And, and you know, and I'm not saying she didn't. I'm sure she wrote lots and lots more than that. But it, it, even that alone is enough to give someone their songwriting due. You've contributed to an iconic song in a way that most people haven't. Yeah. Um, and actually,
2: yeah, you're right, because one of the reasons why I feel like I can rethink my opinion of um, how much Linda contributed to those songs is because he very offhandedly says um, your mum wrote that bit. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> oh, god. To stop saying. I wish, he'd, I wish he'd never said your mum in this documentary. I know, it's all um, his fault. It all sounds like a bad joke, doesn't <laughs> it? Um, he very offhandedly credits that bit to Linda when he's talking about that song being written. Yeah. As if he's not, he's not trying to make a big deal out of it, it's just a very natural thing for him to say, Oh, she wrote that. Yeah. because she, And so I have no. Doubt that that's actually what happened because it, it doesn't feel like he's trying to make a point about that. He's he's just talking about how the song came to be, and, and that's just a bit that she happened to, to contribute. Yeah. Um, which is which is good, and uh, again goes a long way, I think, in in sort of the documentary, um, having me sort of recognize more. Uh, I guess how much input she had.
1: Yeah. Yeah. i say
2: so, so. Do you think? Um. Uh, when you were talking about uh how the uh documentary might have been positioned as a way of re-evaluating wings how well do you think it actually does that do you think it do you think it's it's achieved the job of of showing uh how great a band they really are
1: probably not no because it i think the problem at the time with the way they were perceived as i say they were just perceived as quite naff um a lot of that and maybe not a lot but bits of that are down to some truly appalling haircuts and, <laughs> yeah. and, and clothing choices and yeah. things like that so I mean it's um, it's very hard to be going going from being the most sort of iconic person of an entire decade then going into the next decade and being uh, associated with uh, the, the fashions of the time which nobody looks back on with a lot of fondness mm. in general so I think they were just seen as a bit of a a, a NAF seventies band, but I, but I agree with what you said earlier that it doesn't do enough of digging into the music and digging into just how eclectic that music was as yeah. well, which I think might have um, gone some way to redressing that balance in terms of how they were seen. Uh,
2: I, I don't I don't think this is the case, but do you think part of the reason why? Um, it doesn't dig into the those areas in much detail. Is down to the the con- construct of the film, which is uh, Paul is being interviewed by his daughter. Yeah. Um, and and that interview, we don't see an awful lot of uh, that interview where you feel like um, the questions being asked or anything other than just lead-ins to stories and yeah. nudges along to telling uh, a um, uh, a chronological narrative. Um so I guess the question is what was your take on having Mary as an interviewer and and her role in the film
1: Um well it it, it well it it makes it into a very specific thing and and it certainly means that you're not going to get a lot out of him Um yeah I mean people have asked I, I, I don't blame her for this by the way this was this was the point of the film but I mean people have asked McC- McCartney softball questions for years, it's why he tells the same anecdotes over and over. Again. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, I get the impression he's he's. Well, people are interviewing him better these days in print and, and you know in uh, recorded media.
2: You say that, but I think the last actual visual in- interview I saw of him was Idris Elba one, and for oh, a goodness. large chunk of that interview, uh, he played guest accord
1: uh, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, that was an exception. <laughs> but generally speaking, people are uh, interviewing him better these days. Um, I think um, there was a bit where, you know, this is something he'd said before, but maybe I can't remember him saying it in the sort of recorded interview before. So when he's talking about his his sort of breakdown after the Beatles split up, where he Mm. and Linda sort of retreated to Scotland and they weren't seen for a while, you know, and he was sort of growing a big beard and being a a sort of supposed sort of mountain man. and he talks about how, uh, what sounds like about a sort of alcoholism where he would sort of uh, wake up and sort of drink whiskey immediately as soon as he woke up. Um, uh, so he did talk about that in the Many Years From Now book, which came out in 97-ish or something like that, I guess. Sure. Um, so that was in there, but I, I I hadn't seen him say that in a sort of recorded interview before. And actually, it's quite rare... Um, the funny thing with Paul McCartney is, for a sensitive and open guy, he doesn't admit a lot of vulnerability. Mm. Pretty much ever, he doesn't really do it in his songs. Um, when it's when when it's a song about someone being vulnerable, it's generally masked with it being a, a another character, so sort sure. of Eleanor Rigby or something like that, or uh, for no one. You know, is, is about the breakup of a relationship, but it's in the second person not the first yeah, yeah, person yeah. Uh, he doesn't tend to admit a lot of vulnerability I remember listening to um, a few years ago when the demos that he and Elvis Costello did from Flowers in the Dirt they came out which is a brilliant set of demos by the way um, and um, there are songs in there where you could tell that Elvis Costello was getting something slightly different out of him as a songwriting partner right. The songs like My Brave Face where is all about uh, you, you know, your, your girlfriend's left you, and, I, and I've fallen apart, and I'm, uh, and I can't, you know, I can't do the washing up properly and stuff like that. And that was really, really rare to hear McCartney admitting any kind of vulnerability in a song. Right. So that that yes, whole thing yes. with, with the breakdown thing, as as he refers to it, it's it's it, 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 it's an exception in the, the 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 story of his life that we generally get. Mm. Um, that idea that he was facing something, you know, he talks about. Well, maybe if uh, your mum uh, wasn't there, <laughs> maybe, maybe if Linda wasn't there, uh, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have got out of it. And I don't. You know, I'm sure, I have no reason to think he's not, not being sincere. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so maybe uh, I'm not saying she got that out of him with, um, you know, forensic interviewing technique or anything like that. But but perhaps the environment in which he was being interviewed yeah. made him a bit more comfortable to say things like that.
2: Talking about the environment in which he is being interviewed, what do we think about those moments where McCartney answering questions from his daughter suddenly transitions into him carrying on his answers while he's on his own walking the beach or driving his jeep or <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's an odd stylistic choice
1: yeah and it's a, and it's a very <coughs> deliberate stylistic choice as well i i wonder if um so alistair donald the director who as you said was Mary McCartney's husband at the time mm. they're not together anymore um he um i but did you say you found that was more or less his only directing credit? Yes. That, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, I w- I wonder with this guy, you know, he wanted to kind of flex his creative muscles a bit and all, all he had was archive footage and a lot of footage of this one interview shot yeah. from, you know, two, two different angles or whatever it is. So maybe he thought to himself, well, I want to do something different with this. So, yeah, let's film Paul on a beach, as you say, in a jeep. Um, walking through a corridor in which the lights are out but there are sort of half-broken neon lights flickering on and off yeah standing in front of a load of TV sets um, it's it, it's quite they're quite kind of stylized those things and um, it gets you away from this uh, this sort of idea of documentary which is just to report yeah uh, facts not that Wingspan is necessarily doing that, but that, that other than these elements, that is at least it's um, the way it's presenting itself. But it, 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 but it does what it does mean is that what that those bits where he is walking down a beach or whatever are scripted because he is presumably re- reading a script of what he said in the interview before, yeah. and now just <clears throat> essentially voicing it over while um you know walking through a field or whatever but but you're also
2: left wondering uh who there's no context in those moments as to why he is saying those things yeah so it's he you know the context for us is He's answering a question that Mary's asked him. Yeah. So when you cut to him walking on the beach and he's continuing to provide an answer. Yeah. That currently just looks like a man talking to himself. <laughs> you know, yeah, cuz cuz he isn't yeah. doing that talking to camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and he's very deliberately not talking to camera in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Um so it's, it just it just is a very odd sight to to have him to have him do that commenting on a, on quite a serious personal moment in his life to himself
1: out loud. Yeah, and and it sort of it did actually remind me of the bit, uh, the bits in Anthology where. Yes, I, I thought about that as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because, because because Anthology was filmed over a few years, mm. so they're all uh, being interviewed in various different places, and you know, and they're sort of going through different haircuts and facial hair and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. You know. And so the, 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 where Paul is being interviewed in Anthology, um, a few are just sort of you know fairly standard nondescript locations. There is one I always remember where he appears to be uh, standing in a sort of gig or rehearsal space with like the 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 show lights almost as if they're being tested behind him. Mm. And you know, when I was sort of fifteen or whatever, I thought, oh, this must be um, before a show or like you know after the sound check. He's like, well, okay, I've got a couple of hours. We'll do it here. I mean, obviously, that's not the case. You know, it's not like there were cameras. Following him around, just trying to catch a moment. It was all yeah, 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 scripted, yeah. you know. And and in anthology, he's uh, stoking a fire in the yes. forest near his house. Yeah. and in a driving a tugboat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, but, and it's, it's fair to say that because I thought about this as well,
2: watching this documentary, um, he's the only Beatle where that happens. Like George yeah. and Ringo are interviewed in different places, different yeah. offices or different uh, homes. Mm. But Paul, and that has to be his doing, where he's made a conscious choice of, actually, why don't you just get me, you know, making fire like yeah. a man? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> why don't we answer questions while I'm, you know, like, controlling an element? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> or, or, like, while I'm wrestling a bear, say, Exactly. So
2: I do wonder whether or not maybe it was his artistic choice, because it's a similar mm. kind of sense of, of tone and stuff. Maybe yeah. it's, it's him who d- suggested that actually part of these... Uh, to make them make the uh documentary um to give it some a, a sense of something slightly different that it it suggested that i mean there's no way of knowing right but it, it definitely no, made me think of of similar choices that anthology had
1: yeah no so it's a, it's a good point because i because I do remember that what um that made me think of him when I was fifteen, watching the anthology for the first time, it was like, oh, this is this is a busy guy. Like he's yeah. he's still doing stuff, and especially like, oh, he's still touring. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, he's still like an artistic concern, and like still selling those geek tickets. the yeah. opportunity. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, he's, uh, he's he's a busy man. He's got fires to stoke, to boats <laughs> to sail, and yeah. so you know, he just fits in the filming around. Those fires them. aren't going to stoke themselves. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, I can see how you storyboard something like a documentary like that, and say, "Well, here are the elements that we have. We've got archive footage, and we've got the interview, and we need a third thing to help sort of split those other two things up. Yeah. Like something current, something like like you know now that we can we can do report, mm. and the the decision they arrive at is 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 this like these weird sort of cutaways of him doing it. Like another decision might have been." let's have him perform some songs and and some of the songs from from you know the thing that he's trying to sell you yeah, know yeah. um you know I, I can see why you feel like you'd need a third element to make up the a more rounded documentary but it's just a bit of an odd choice that they've made there
1: yeah and i suppose actually what the, the effect it has is to take uh more of the sort of verite away from the documentary format it makes it feel like he's the narrator Yes, like he's not—he's not the interviewee. Yes, that's not, a really good not point. It's like he's yeah. being uh, asked for his opinion uh, or you know asked for his recollections, which then forms the content. It's that here is the content, and Paul McCartney is narrating it. So, yeah, that's uh, true. It, so yeah, I guess it—it yeah—it doesn't. It, it's a bad style. It's an odd stylistic choice, but uh, but certainly it, it takes it in a different direction. You know, uh, but th- I mean, there's a million ways to do documentaries these days you know
2: yeah yeah of course yeah obviously no, we're very well versed in them or we will be by the time we finish like this podcast because <laughs> yeah, there's plenty to get through Yeah, including yeah. The anthology at some point yeah Um, one of the things I uh, while we talk about those different elements one of the things that I really valued in the documentary is all of the archive footage which as a as a relatively new diehard fan uh, a lot of which I hadn't seen before mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of like sort of i guess wings footage even the concert footage i was particularly pleased to to see quite an extended section where they were playing magneto and titanium man which is obviously one of my faves so to have see them doing that live as part of the documentary was great um Mm. all that stuff was brilliant but also quite surprised pleasantly surprised by how much uh home video footage was included Mm. do you have any idea or any sense of whether or not that was exclusive for the documentary, was that available anywhere else first? I wonder if they unearthed sort of footage that hadn't been used before specifically for this, because that would have been quite interesting.
1: I don't know actually, because I mean, so it's, some of it is uh, footage I, I've seen before, but whether mm. I had seen it before this documentary came out, I don't right. know. Um, I mean, the I remember. The, well I don't remember which is why I'm which is why I'm trying to recall. but the uh, so that footage of them up in Scotland there was a f- friend of theirs who they got up they specifically came along to film them for something or other I don't remember what it was I don't remember the guy's name this is really <laughs> this, this is not helpful it's at that, all this is like the worst retellings of a yeah. area So what I'm saying is there was once a man with a camera <laughs> And he took some footage.
2: I think I've seen that. Might have been a woman coming kind of
0: through.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so you don't know. But, um, but 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 did you were you pleasantly surprised as I was about some of the um, the footage in there? Was any bit fresh to you when you watched it this time round?
1: Uh, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there were bits. I can't. I can't recall off the top. Because there was some. it's just some
2: really really lovely stuff that is. Uh, Paul and Linda on the farm, like you say, um, or uh, at one point they refer to the, the junkyard that they live in, mm. um, with the kids running around like guitar. I, I just, I, I thought that was really lovely, and that can only come from like a personal stock of, of footage that's not made for anything else. So yeah, um, yeah, it was just, it was, There's a lot of stuff in there that I just hadn't seen anywhere else before. So it was really nice to to watch. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, so there's, there's some nice stuff in there, and I think also there's. Um, you kind of get the, uh, it, 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 you, you get the idea of how it was slightly different for Wings in the seventies as opposed to the Beatles in the sixties, because there's a lot more TV shows that you can just rock up and uh, and do a bit on, you know, and well, and also you have the thing that there there is plenty of Beatles footage from sixties TV shows that just no longer exists because it was wiped by yeah, yeah BBC because they had to record over it or something like that. Um, so yeah, you do get the impression. Of do they all turn up on like the Mikey R. Wood show or something like that? Maybe um, you know. So just much more of this sort of variety uh, TV that people could just uh, turn up on and uh, and play a couple of songs. And also the the nice thing about that is that well, Paul McCartney very definitely has an ego, but and I'm sure it did in the 1970s, but. Um, it doesn't seem to have been too precious about like. Well, I'm not doing the Mike Yardwood show. I'm, sure. a, I'm, I'm a Beatle, mate. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think because of like how that band started touring was just to do a few rehearsals, then just drive around uh, the UK, end up in Ashby de la Zouche and say, <laughs> and, and and you know, Nottingham University was the nearest one. Rock up and say, can we play at your student union yeah, tonight? I'm Paul McCartney. I'm Paul McCartney. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, I mean, that's the. That's the, that's the kicker, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think that there must have been... He knew he was in charge of that band, right? Yes. And he, and he knew that no one was interested in that band unless unless he was in it. But at the same time, he seems to have been quite happy to not not slum it, but he wanted to sort of go back to the, the early days of sort of touring as a, as a band. I don't think he... He didn't want to just be a sort of ma- massive hit just because of his name he wanted to kind of build that up again and you can see you can
2: see the logic there as well like the idea of, of rocking up at a student university also with an audience that probably at that time weren't that fussed about the Beatles anymore uh-huh. yeah. um, and I think that um, doing that implies that, like you say he's not trying to trade on his name he's doing it generally for the experience and it's like a fresh, exciting experience for him with a new band. Um, I, I liked learning about that in this documentary. I knew that there, I knew there was such a thing as the wings doing a tour of some universities before they then set out to do proper tours. But actually hearing him talk through what that experience was like was a first for me. And it was, there There's quite a lot of things like that, actually, like, um, when they were talking about having like, uh, just having the bus having an open top bus so they could actually don't feel like they were they were shut in in you know confined space the whole time Um, lots of like lots of details that came out of this documentary that I I actually wasn't aware of before that I felt were new to me did you have anything were you broadly aware of all of this was this kind of covering old ground for you was there anything sort of new that came out of it that you weren't aware of before
1: no I was broadly aware of all of it I wouldn't say you know I'm not uh, as familiar in detail with uh wing's career actually i found it really helpful to so read a year or two ago i read uh, paul McCartney, the biography by philip norman for mm. the first time and uh, although i'd read many years from now before that really only covers the beatles years um and so i hadn't really uh i hadn't really read uh, detailed accounts of what the 1970s and 80s were like for Paul McCartney. So yeah, yeah, I got I I I am not as familiar with the whole thing. but broadly I know the the span. I know the span the the things. whole span. I know the whole span of wings. Yeah. <laughs> and the bits around
2: the edges as well, which is which is always helpful for any span. No, it's famously part of the span, the around the edges. <laughs> I don't know if something spans hundreds of years, it, it also spans thousands of years. I think that's the point. But anyway, um <laughs> I think <laughs> so passive aggressive <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, one thing I wanted to ask you. Talking about of Mary as a, as an interviewer, did you also cringe a little bit when Paul ever had to talk about any of uh, kind of dalliance with with um, love interests in and Linda, your mum? <laughs> uh, there was a little bit of how much you. um in, uh, how much are you implying this lifestyle of a uh, a pop star that used to be a, a very sort of eligible bachelor, yeah. um, where there was sex, drugs, um, all that kind of stuff, to your daughter? Yeah. Did you find that cringy as much as I did? There was a, there was a couple of moments where it was like, oh mate, it's you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I think there is a discomfort in Paul McCartney in, in talking about sex in general. If you if you've read, I've not read all of. Uh, you know the lyrics book yet? So I'm sort of working my way through it slowly, but it, he talks in this uh, these sort of euphemisms always. Um, that song uh, called uh, "It's on Egypt Station" and it is about uh, it was come on to me right, whereas it was talking about and it's it's basically about hooking up with girls in the '60s, but it's yeah. also completely laden with euphemism in a way. Um, I mean, you know, in the lyrics of a pop song, I don't expect him to get particularly sexually graphic. You know, sort of <laughs> it food. would seem out of character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The second verse is just, that, <laughs> this is more gynecological than I thought it would be. <laughs> like, this isn't the Paul McCartney, I know. <laughs> um, but, um, yes, but but I suppose, you know, when he's talking to his daughter, I mean, those euphemisms are more, I don't know, there, there is one, <laughs> there's one, like, quite telling use of language where he's talking about when he's sort of First met Linda and fell in love with her, and he says something like, um, "Oh yeah, this one's great." And he he refers to (laughs) as this one, which, which like definitely means she was at at that point the last in a very, very long line (laughs) (laughs) of girls. Yeah,
2: Yeah. Uh, and even when um, uh, when Linda uses, oh yeah, there's some really weird moments in this actually. It needs to be where. You would have McCartney. Did you, did you did you notice this where you'd have like McCartney talking answering the question, and then they'd just fade out his answer, and then suddenly you'd have like <laughs> uh, archive recording of Linda talking about the same thing. I um, remember that happened um, once. Yeah, uh, it was just it was just really odd. But um, one of those, I think it happened around the same time where um, Mary they have um, they use footage of Linda talking about meeting up with Paul after they would met the first time and having a dirty weekend. Yeah. and mary says that to, to paul and says oh you know um linda called it like a, a dirty weekend and then he sort of paused like laughs at the, about that and he says oh yeah yeah honest she was honest that's what she was like you know yeah. um and uh and, and again it's just a bit like oh, i just i just i'm really, really uncomfortable about all of this right now <laughs> just, it's a whole strain of course i just don't need to witness this this part of, of, of <laughs> maybe i'm just too british but i just feel like it's very very uh Unsavory, but is it, it. It, but,
1: but is it because it's Paul McCartney? I mean, because I know, I know exactly what you mean, but, I mean, is there a... Uh, is there a sense in which... I mean, look, let's get into it. You, you can imagine John Lennon banging, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? You yeah, know, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. You can see him as a sexual being, if you like. Yeah, you're right. But McCartney just seems much more... He's just safe, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean... I mean, incredibly good looking man, always was. But, you know, at the same time, yeah, you kind of it's, you struggle to see him in that sort of s- sexual context. Um, I, I think realize, anyone, I, we were going to go I feel like
2: anyone it. listening right now would uh, be right in saying we've arguably gone off the top of it. So <laughs> um, let's end there. Good.
1: good. Yeah, I, I think it's important we do end. Up, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there we go. That was the most important element to discuss about the 2001 made-for-TV documentary <laughs> Wingspan. <laughs> anyway, um, hopefully that hasn't put you off from uh, listening to whatever our next episode is about, in which I am sure we will not be talking about the sexual antics of the Beatles. Um, thank you for listening to this one. In any case, um, please feel free to hit us up on social media platforms. Uh, we are we are in most places at Beatles Films Pod um also if you like this podcast give us a review um like us subscribe do all those things that other podcasters say uh, and hopefully we'll we'll see you for the next episode thanks again bye bye
0: planning for your next trip